Nerds point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is another edition of Mailbag Monday. And yes, folks, it's coming out on Tuesday night. I just, for whatever reason, was unable to get to it on Monday. But like I said, Locked On Blazers isn't going anywhere. Mailbag Monday isn't going anywhere. Even if it's a day late, it's here for you. If this is your first Mailbag Monday, welcome. It doesn't always come out on Tuesday evenings. If this is your 17th or whatever Mailbag Monday, I'm not sure how many of these I've done, welcome back. I appreciate you still sticking with me. If you want to be involved in the show, get a question on the show, there's two ways to do it. First, tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Uh, You don't have to wait for me to call for questions. You can just send me a question whenever you are thinking of it, and I will add it to the list. But also, typically on Monday mornings, but I guess this week it was on a Tuesday, forgive me again, I send out a tweet soliciting questions, and if you respond to that tweet, I will get your question in the show. If you are not a Twitter user, there is another way to get involved. You can email me, LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. That's LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. I'll see it. I'll get you in the show. Those are the two ways to do it. Without further ado... Let's get into the questions. The first one comes from Logan Gillis at Logan Gillis on Twitter, who asks, how many of the eight regular season games do you think the Blazers will need to win in order to make it in? What odds do you put on the restart on this restart in Orlando happening, given recent news about players' concerns, re-health, and upstaging the Black Lives Matter movement? Very good questions, Logan. The, perhaps the most topical, which is why you let off the show. Okay, how many games would the Blazers need to win? Let's answer the easy one first. I think at a minimum they're going to need to win five, but my gut tells me that they'll probably need to go six and two in order to guarantee themselves a spot. I think five and three probably puts them likely there. Uh, You know, Memphis isn't going to have a markedly easier, markedly tougher schedule. They're all about the same considering the way the schedule restraints work. So I think the Blazers are going to have to win more than half. So I think five is a minimum, and I'm going to get six to get in. And Memphis, you know, three and a half games up, the Blazers have to maintain that. uh, They have to be within four games to force a play-in. Uh, I think it's pretty unlikely that they that they out and out pass the Grizzlies, um, although it's it's possible. But to force that play in and to have a chance to beat Memphis twice to make the make the actual playoff tournament, I think they're going to have to go five and three or six and two, and I think six and two sounds better. But in general, what are the odds that I put on this restart in Orlando happening? Uh, right, there's a lot of concerns um, about this from, you know the. The Board of Governors approved it. The NBA Players Association approved it. Basically, the, they they approved the bo- the skeleton of the deal, the, the outline. I mean, the rest of the details are still being written as we speak or as I speak and you listen. Uh, they'll be hammered out probably just slowly and as teams report over, the, like, get ready to report by the end of June. I think we'll get uh, further clarification on what exactly all the rules are and all the plans are, but there have been concerns. Famously, Kyrie Irving held a Zoom call where about 80 uh, NBA players of his fellow NBA players were on the call, and Kyrie Irving, who is an NBA PA uh, uh, union president, he's a he's a president, vice president of the players' union, basically held space to say, "Listen, if you feel like this will upstage the Black Lives Matter movement because it's a majority black league playing basketball and kind of giving people an escape, then maybe we shouldn't do this. Or if you have health concerns, maybe we shouldn't do this." He kind of opened the floor. I think Kyrie has maybe been blamed for being a little bit wacky because he's a little bit wacky about other opinions. But in this specific case, I think he was being a responsible union leader by allowing that voice and being a star to to say this. If this is a thing that matters to us as players, 
let's make sure we address it. That said, capitalism wins. This league is run by billionaires and played by millionaires. Capitalism is going to win out. I put the likelihood... Um, oh, before I get there, uh, also like the health concerns, coronavirus stuff, just the, the numbers of daily cases, confirmed cases in the area, in the Orlando area are very alarming. The graph is going the wrong direction. There are real health concerns about this. With that said, remember that capitalism thing I was just talking about? It's going to win out. So I put the odds of this very, very high, like north of 70%. I'll say 74% just to hedge my bets. Uh, I, I don't know against who exactly, but yeah, I'll say very, very, very likely 74% this, this season goes down. I've said it a million times or not a million, but probably six, but I'll say it again. It's a bad idea. This seems like a bad, a bad plan, but it's a bad plan in the name of saving this league money. And in addition, it's a bad, pl- if the players don't play the, one of the big issues is that the league will rip up the current CBA and the players will be at a disadvantage for renegotiating. And this it puts labor in this in this current situation in a bad spot. Even heading into an, something that might be uh, socially incorrect or 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 cause people to have moral pause about about playing basketball or just straight up on like dangerous health wise. But despite those two factors, I I just think the the. The most of the rank and file players, including Ed Davis, who spoke to Hoops Hype about it specifically, just they don't want to be in a bad position for the future of the league um, to risk risk losing this CBA and risk losing some negotiating power. Um, they're going to play the season. Okay, next question comes from Thomas Cogswell at Thomas Cogswell on Twitter, who asked, "What did the Blazers starting five look like when the NBA play when NBA play resumes?" Okay, this is a lame answer, but I think it's the correct answer. I believe the starting five is going to be Damian Lode, CJ McCollum, Trevor Ariza, Carmelo Anthony, and Hassan Whiteside. But wait, Mike, what about Zach and Nurk? Hold on, I'll get back to that. Dollar Bill Ball at Dollar Bill Ball asks, are Zach and Nurk going to play? Yeah, dog. Yeah, Dollar Bill Ball, they're going to play. This question has been asked a lot, so I'm not going to like go through all the, the details on it. Uh, Jason Quick of The Athletic has done reporting on this they're going to play they're excited to play uh it's kind of unclear what their minutes will be like but they're going to play back to let's rewind back to thomas's question thomas what why i say the starting five is going to look like what it looks like when the season was cut short or paused or whatever you want to call it is because i think nurk is going to be on some sort of minutes restriction he hasn't played basketball in 15 months um he's going to need he's going to need some time to get back into that into basketball shape. It'll be even longer by the time the, the actual games start that he hasn't played basketball, um, close to 14 full months. So he's going to have a minutes restriction. It's easier for minutes restriction guys for the most part to either be brought off the bench or used in little six minute spurts right at the beginning of each half. But it's, it gets tricky with, um, if he's, st- if he comes off the bench and is playing well, how do you deal with him in Whiteside if he has a minutes restriction. If you just say he could play two nine-minute spurts, you play him those those two nine-minute um, spurts, it's it's easier to manage Nurk's minutes in that way. Uh, you know, late first, early second, late third, early fourth. Uh, if he's really rolling and looks good, you figure it out from there. But the, but you can control him much more coming off the bench. Uh, with, with Zach stuff, I think it's more political. I think it's 
it's easier to keep Carmelo Anthony bought into this whole situation and bought into the whole plan if he remains a starter. I think his minutes could be reduced. More on that later in the podcast. But I think the my best guess is that the starting five looks the same and the minutes allocation from there will change. Okay, Dollar Bill Ball, I already read one of your questions, but you asked another one. You said, who's the additional player the Blazers are going to pick up to finish the season? So teams can reportedly increase their roster size to 17. That's uh, The current roster size is 15 and with 13 active players each night. Uh, the, the, it looks like it's going to be 17 in Orlando. That's essentially just letting teams who have two-way players, which would be the full 17 complement on the roster, bring the two-way players along. Previous rules, two-way players cannot play in the postseason, but this allows them to do so. I guess the idea is that if a lot of guys get sick, you'll have more players. That's kind of daunting, isn't it? Um, I can't imagine conceivably the Blazers could in late June sign another NBA player, but I can't, I just have trouble believing dollar bill ball that this team that has been so cautious about spending money and sent Scalabissier away to save money on the tax um, would add to add to the salary. I just, I just don't see that happening. So the player that they pick up is no one, but maybe they'll bring Jalen Horde and Moses Brown. They're two two way guys along with them to Orlando. Okay, next question comes from Andy Hawkins at AHawk80 on Twitter who asks, what network or networks will air the remaining Blazer games? This is a good practical question, Andy. This is, I don't get a lot of practical questions on this podcast. I get weird hypotheticals and questions about trades, so I appreciate the practicality. Um, this is a big deal, right? I, I mentioned the capitalism thing up front, like uh, – Money is going to is a big reason for this. ESPN has a huge stake in uh, in the season returning and, and returning at Disney World. They're owned by the same company. Blah blah blah. You get it. Uh, I would assume that the playoffs will work the same, and that is that after even in the regular regular situations, after the first round of the playoffs, you don't get a local broadcast. The games are on TNT, ABC, and ESPN, uh, and and Turner and the larger Disney. Network, the two Disney channels, um, share the rights, and and they've they've agreed who gets west and who gets east going forward, and it's already all negotiated. However, typically regular season games and of course the first round of the playoffs are on local television, but it's unclear exactly to me who will get to be involved in the 35-person crew that the Blazers are allowed to take and whether they will have their own broadcast. So if I had to guess, the some of the regular season games will still be broadcast locally and the first round of the playoffs potentially could be, but uh, that remains to be seen. But I certainly, certainly the second round and further will, will follow the same pattern and will be on national television broadcast, TNT, ABC, and ESPN. Okay, second segment, we're going to come back and answer more of your questions. But first, I want to tell you all about the I Will campaign. The Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. And this isn't in the copy, but Mike Richmond and the Locked On Blazers podcast believes that black lives matter. In fact, we believe they more than matter and that matter is a minimum. That's why I and my fellow Locked On podcast hosts are making personal donations to local national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On, the larger network, is matching the total of all host donations up to $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. All right. 
Let's keep it rolling with more questions on Mailbag Monday. This one comes from Reed Butterball at Reed underscore PDX on Twitter who asks, what level of production and for how many years would it need to continue for Damian Lillard to be the undisputed greatest blazer ever, in your opinion? Four more years of this and another trip to the conference finals? Yeah, um, I've said it on this podcast before that Damian Lillard will be the greatest blazer of all time. I, I don't think he is right now, although you could make some case for it um, in the way that he's aligned himself with the team. But I just... Uh, Clyde has a better resume and two trips to the finals. It's Clyde Drexler for right now, um, and it's Dame number two hot on his heels. But I think part of Dame making the case is just he's got to have the records. Like, he has to hold on to the stuff in the record books first, and then you can debate about team success and player resumes and where all that fits. That said, if Damian Lord averages 27 points per game, it would take him roughly 128 regular season games to pass Clyde Drexler on the Blazers' all-time scoring list. There are plenty of other things Drexler holds. Games and minutes and field goal attempts and free throws and the type of prolific things that happen when you are an all-time great. Dame won't catch him in that same 130-game sample. That'll take more like six years, four to four or five years plus um, for a lot of them, particularly the games and the minutes. So, but let's just say within two full seasons, Dame becomes the franchise's all-time leading scorer. Once he's the franchise's all-time leading scorer, I think the, the momentum starts to shift like, yo, this dude really might be the greatest blazer of all time. And again, the way he aligns himself with the organization, the sort of soft stuff that makes Damian Lloyd so special. And by soft, I mean like the non-statistical stuff that makes Damian Lloyd so special. Uh, the like community involvement and, and and again aligning himself with the with the mighty pinwheel in a way a way that Clyde Drexler just absolutely does not would make Dame's case a little bit stronger. So if Dame is one of the I would say right now two best point guards in the NBA, uh I think he was the best point guard in the NBA this season, but but Steph Curry wasn't healthy. Um there are other guys coming up that are that are really good and like Trey Young and John Morant, but Dame is significantly better than them right now. If if Dame is one of the two or three best point guards in the league and maybe the best point guard in the league for a period over the next four years, that really jumps up the conversation. I do think he probably needs to get back at least one more trip to the Western Conference Finals. If he makes one trip to the Finals, period, it's over, it's done. If they win the trophy, obviously it's over. But if he makes the Finals, he, he's going to pass Clyde. Two, two losses to won't matter, um, it, at least for me. So I think Dame, within two years, will be even if the conversation will be even louder and within four years and a conference finals trip, as you mentioned, yeah, over and done with, he'll be the greatest blazer of all time. Okay. Next question. Actually, this is questions. He's got three of them come from Lincoln from Gmail, an email question. I told you we had those Lincoln asks, keep trade cut. You can only keep one of these people. You have to trade one and cut the other CJ Nurk Stotts. Okay. I am, whew, I'm going to keep Yusuf Nurkic. I'm going to trade. Am I allowed to trade Terry Stotts? Um, I'm going to keep Yusuf Nurkic. I'm going to trade CJ McCollum and try to get back as much value as I can, although that might be a little bit dicey. And I'm going to cut Terry Stotts because even though I think he's one of the great coaches in the league, probably a top 10 coach in the league, um, he, I think coaching is, is more replaceable than talent. I, mean, I know coaching is more replaceable than talent. Um, so sorry, Terry, you got to go. Uh, Nurk 
is just he's younger and cheaper um he's he he answers the question and what type of help does dame need defensively in length that he answers that question better than cj does cj is really good but somebody had to get somebody had to get traded and it's you dog you got traded okay question two from lincoln from gmail asks if it came down to having to choose between CJ and Nurk, it just did, dog. You just gave me this. I think I would rather have Nurkic. How crazy am I for thinking that? Um, not that crazy. I believe it was a fan survey post on The Athletic by friend of the podcast, Jason Quick, who it was basically that uh, fans, majority of fans view Yusuf Nurkic as the second most valuable player and even just like who they like, they like Nurk a lot more than CJ McCollum. He's a, he's a lovable dude. He talks a bunch of smack. Um, he he dresses in goofy outfits. He's got a little more brash personality than the CJ, although CJ did square up and try to fight Alex Lynn earlier this year, so respect. Um, but I don't think that's that crazy. I, I would actually say based on the results of that athletic poll which is a little bit skewed but sure the the poll that we have i think you're kind of i think that's like a normal feeling lincoln i think a lot of people agree with you p.s there's a p.s from lincoln not a question but a postscript who asks is there any chance of getting mo harkless back in the future he's my favorite role player of the last five years uh i would say no like there's a very very little chance of that uh neil olshay loves his guys uh, I think Mo Harkless was sort of that, but the only player he's brought back so far is Steve Blake, and he ended up trading away Steve Blake. That said, Mo Harkless is a free agent this summer, and he would, like, as the roster is currently constructed, he would help them win games. So it's like a non-zero number, but it's pretty low. I think there's like a 3% chance that it happens. Okay, next question comes from Jason from Gmail, who asks, which player do the Blazers re-sign next season? Biggie, Jalen Horde, or Wenyan Gabriel? Uh, Biggie would be Caleb Swanigan for those of you scoring at home. Uh, okay, let's let's do this. It's not Jalen Horde. Uh, the Blazers had him on the roster all season, desperately needed help, just like needed healthy bodies, and chose to leave Jalen Horde and Moses Brown in the G League. Moses Brown, not an NBA player. Uh, it wouldn't have made sense to bring him back. But Jalen Horde had some moments where he kind of looked like he could have been a contributor. The Blazers left him in the G League and just kept, kept it rolling. That shows you... N- you know, they've left a bunch of rookies on the bench and kind of gone on without them. So it's not like they've given up on him forever, but I don't think they view him as an immediate solution. So I'll, I'll, I'll say Jalen Horde unlikely. Wenyan Gabriel's like a hard no for me. I think he's, he's very unlikely. Um, I, I kind of could see Wenyan Gabriel being a, like a fourth big or whatever, or fifth big on an NBA bench, like a 14th, 15th man. Um, he's athletic and long and, uh, you know, he's when he started against the Lakers in that one game, he kind of, although he fouled out and was maybe a little too, little too far into the deep end, he he did some things that NBA players do. Uh, so by process of elimination, it is Caleb Swanigan, the guy that Neil drafted and really liked and understands the playbook a little bit and fits, I mean, is a backup center of sorts. He's definitely not a four. He's certainly a five. Um, but the real answer to your question is none of these dudes. All three of them are not on the roster next year. Okay, third segment, we're going to come back, answer more of your questions to close out the show on this Mailbag Monday. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto body auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. 
Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Show is also brought to you today by Blinkist. It can be hard to find time to sit down and read and learn more, but there is an app that does that for you. It's called Blinkist. Let me tell you about it. It's a, it's really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, and your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. 12 million people are already using Blinkist right now, and that's because it's got a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists as well as classic non-fiction titles you always meant to read but never had time to. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed non-fiction books, all the books you want, all for one low price. And right now, Blinkist has a limited time special offer just for you. Go to Blinkist.com slash MBA to try it for free for seven days and get 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash MBA to start your free seven-day trial and you'll save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash MBA. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. We're still listening to Locked On Blazers, and it's still Mailbag Monday. Let's keep it rolling. This next question comes from Jason from Gmail. Jason, it's your second question in the show because I screwed up last week and dropped one of the questions you asked. But here's what Jason asks. It's been reported that Carmelo Anthony has some hesitation about playing the remainder of the season in the bubble. Any chance the Blazers are a better team without him? A scenario where Zach starts at the four and soaks up more minutes without Melo in the lineup. Wait right there, Jason, because the next question is from Tom O'Dell. At ZimaGuy69, incredible Twitter handle, shout out to Tom O'Dell, who asks, how much more efficient will the Blazers' offense be if Melo does not join the team in Orlando? What's happening? What's in the What's in the water, y'all? What's in the Zima? Also, how much better defensively will the Blazers be if Melo decides not to join them in Orlando? Additionally, how good will it be to have a healthy Zach Collins back at the four? Okay, so Tom and Jason have the same, have the same thought, and that's basically what we're going to close the show on, but... Tom also asked a pandering follow-up question, so we're going to go there first, and then we're going to circle back to this mellow stuff and close out the show. Tom O'Dell, his other follow-up question, at ZimaGuy69, asks, How good of a defender was George Lynch? George Lynch, a relatively obscure player, unless you're me. George Lynch was a graduate of the University of North Carolina. In my hometown of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, he was a member of the 1993 NCAA Men's Basketball National champions. Remember when uh, Chris Webber called that stupid-ass timeout? Well, George Lynch got to celebrate shortly thereafter. Um, So how good was he as a defender? At his peak, at his absolute peak, playing for those uh, that, specifically that uh, Sixers team that made the finals and lost to to the Lakers in 2001, like just an absolutely dominant run by the Lakers, um, that 
at his peak, he was as an elite defender, one of the best defenders in the league. He was actually injured for that finals, and he was a really big reason why that Philly team had the best record in the NBA. They, of course, traded for Dikembe Mutombo at midseason, and he ended up winning uh, Defensive Player of the Year. But the they were the best defense in the league. They had the best record in the league, and it's because they had Lynch and Aaron McKee on the wings and... Uh, and Eric Snow and a young Raja Bell and Dikembe Mutombo in the middle there. Uh, they were um, they were an elite defensive team, and, and Lynch was a huge, huge part of that. And he would have been really crucial trying to guard uh, Kobe Bryant there at the in the NBA Finals. Um, Lynch not a not an all league defender, but um, just a really freaking good one. That's 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 the most I can say for him. And that is the end of pandering to a Carolina fan corner. Let's get back to the questions about Carmelo Anthony. Both. Tom and Jason have asked sort of are the Blazers better off without Carmelo Anthony? Let me answer that and say no. But Jason also alluded to the the that Melo has had some hesitation about playing uh the season in the bubble. And that's because not there's not much reporting on this. This is straight from Melo's mouth, right? Uh he told Ernie Johnson uh in a Turner Twitter TV thing that that Turner Broadcasting is doing and where Ernie Johnson interviews NBA players. But in that interview, uh, Carmelo Anthony told Ernie Johnson, and I quote, as far as actually playing, I'm still up in the air a little bit because we don't have all the details. We don't know a lot of information. So until we have that, it's kind of hard to just commit to it 100%. Yeah, Melo has some reservations. Um, I think that's normal. I think um, the... there's a lot of reasons to have reservations. It's There's health reasons. There's social reasons. There are just a long time to be at Disney World type of reasons, away from your family and all those type of things. Um, but, like, the, the sort of the short answer is that the Blazers are not better without Carmelo Anthony, but they would be better with Zach Collins in the starting lineup. Um, Carmelo was a really nice band-aid for a team that was spiraling spiraling out of control in December. Um, when he played next to Rodney Hood, the Blazers had a had a really good offense for two and a half weeks until Rodney Hood went down. Um, they, uh, but but Melo he while he was a welcomed addition to the offense, he is inefficient. He does the Blazers kind of let him cook. They let Melo be Melo. I've said that before on this podcast. So he's averaging a, a relatively inefficient 15 points per game. He hasn't helped them at all on the glass. They're still getting they get killed on the glass when he's on the court. And he's not a good defensive player. He's not a terrible defender, a like horrifically bad defender, but he's a below well below average defender in the NBA. Um, I think I was he was fine guarding one on one. It's just team defense stuff, which is what the Blazers really need. They need good team defenders behind Damon CJ. Melo just isn't going to do that. He's never been that, and he isn't that now at age 36. It's it's fine. So the Blazers' offense would be, I would say, a little bit more efficient without Carmelo Anthony. The Blazers' defense would be significantly better without Carmelo Anthony. And would they be a better team overall with Zach at the four? Absolutely they would because he's just a better defensive player and they don't need the offense when Damon CJ are healthy. What they need is just more defenders, more wing type, more, excuse me, more front court help, more help up front. And I think Zach can play a little bit next to um, Hassan Whiteside. We saw less than three games of it, so we don't really have a good idea. But in in theory, it works better. So, to answer Tom's question, how good will it be to have Zach back at the four? Uh, it'll probably be pretty good. Like, he's an upgrade defensively. Um, I don't think he's a drum- He's not as good an offensive, individual offensive player, but I think he can do things like spot up and screen and run uh, pick and rolls and offensive rebound a little bit better. That he can reasonably make up for Carmelo Anthony's uh, 
offensive production. I mean, the Blazers just aren't gonna if if they're rolling in the if they're at their best, Carmelo comes off the bench and helps as an as a second unit score. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I don't think he's going to buy into that. So I think you kind of have to put him in as the starter and then work him back in. He he subbed out during the regular season. He would sub out early and come back and play with the second unit. They can still do that. Um, it's not that tricky. Uh, there, it depends on how much Nurk is going to play. They haven't played Melo at the three at all. I don't think that's an option. I think that's a terrible idea. So the person who's going to send that um, into me for next week's mailbag, I'm going to trash your. I'm going to trash your terrible Melo as a th- as a three idea. He wasn't a three at age 27. He's certainly not an age three. He's not a small forward at um, age 36. That's just not how it works. You don't get faster. You don't get better at guarding on the wing. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think Zach in general for the specific roster and for where they're at in their careers. Um, I think he's an upgrade on both sides of the ball, but the I don't think just subtracting Melo's minutes and giving them to Wenyan Gabriel or, or having the backup, you know, having the backup four be some combination of twin towers with Nurk and Hassan or going a little bit smaller, whichever reason. Like, I don't think that's an upgrade. I think having Melo on the roster makes this team better, uh, He's showed his deficiencies. He's showed what he's good at this year. And I've said this a bunch, but personally speaking, I like Carmelo Anthony. I've enjoyed the experience. I think he's um, like self-aware and authentic and, and engaging in an interview. So yeah, just like I'm a, I'm a, I like Mellow the guy a whole lot. So yeah, I want him on the roster because more Mellow the guy gives us more, in, gives us a more interesting team, adds more texture to the team, um, which from just a journalism perspective and as someone who likes the league perspective, more interesting stuff is better. So I'm not, I'm not with you guys that the team gets better without Mellow, but I am with you guys that Zach Collins is a specific upgrade. So if that's what's in the Zima, if everyone's drinking the same Zima, you know, crack me a glass. I don't have a good Zima joke here. I was going to say, get me off the sticky plastic couch, but that's a reference to commercials that came out in 1997. So I'm not sure that we're all on the same page there. In any case, that's the show. We're ending the show on a Zima, Zima commercial reference. I'm done, y'all. Appreciate you listening. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers and be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon. Oh, 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 oh,